murderers decoding the crime verse. 911, what's your emergency? Welcome to Active FM. I'm Nolte Lee from Decoding the Crime Verse, and today I am excited to be interviewing Linda Sage, who is a criminal psychologist. Hi, Linda, how are you? Hi, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> um, I think for a long time I've had a lot of questions um, in with relating to crime, so I'm very excited to be speaking to you today. Thank you so much for um, lending us just some of your time so that we can um, just have a chat about what we both love, crime. Um, and I just wanted to start off by asking, where did your passion for crime begin or your love for crime begin? Um, by accident, really, because mm. um, I was the first person in my family to go to university, yes. and my dad had these great ideas, oh, a doctor or a, <laughs> a solicitor, and when I went down to sign up for the course, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, mm. and talking to one of the professors, he said, go off and, and listen to this lecture, and y- you do, because that's what you're told to do, yeah. and it was like, all these lights were going on, and that was psychology. I'd never even considered it. And my dad was so disappointed. <laughs> but then, like everybody, we you don't start in criminology. And when you go back how long ago it was that I started, psychology isn't as widely accepted as it is today. Mm. Uh, so I started working with um, the police, and I started working with victims and things like this. But I soon found that actually um, in violent crime, incredibly difficult. Mm. So my transparency lines were, were getting blurred. So it was affecting me personally. So a friend of mine was working in a prison and she said, well, come in because we're really short staffed. Give us a hand. And I was like, I don't know what to do. But anyway, I went in and oh, I just didn't come back out again, really. Yeah. <laughs> Well, luckily, they always gave me the key, but uh, <laughs> so 40 years later, obviously, yeah, still doing the same thing. And I wanted to ask you, just for our viewers, maybe, and maybe we don't fully understand what a criminal psychologist does. Can you explain the scope of your work and what it is exactly that you do? Well, we, you know, it really varies. And over the years, obviously, it has really, really changed. So we do anything from the profiling, uh, working with the police and um, mm. with victims, um, up to then when they're incarcerated, well, through, when they uh, if they get caught, and yeah. then through the uh, uh, interviews and things like this, we can do the reports for, uh, for the court, for sentencing, for, and then when they're in prison, you're, you're working with them to try and unravel the things that they do. Wow. I only worked with A and B category prisons. I only worked with the top, the, the, the top grade of um, criminals. I, no. I have no with the lower grade of criminals. So mine were mainly the, the uh, serial killers, sex offenders, murderers, mm. psychopaths. Yes. Normal things. Normal things. <laughs> It could be anything. We could be working uh, with one-to-ones. We could be working in a group, baking a cake. (laughs) (laughs) Baking a cake with Rose West and afternoon tea with Myra Hindley. Yeah, that was quite quite normal. Yeah. But so 
we can relate to them, maybe learn a lot from them yeah. um, towards other crimes. Also, then, if they're coming up for parole, um, give evidence uh, like that, expert witnesses. So it, it's very varied. There's no sort of one thing that you, you do. And with parole, I want to just ask, because you've mentioned it, how do you then figure out if this person is genuinely, like, repentant and they they changing their ways, or if it's someone that is just, pretending just because they want to come out again just so they can continue well a parole is always after all the time that they've been in mm. so it's not it's not like the one that you're assessing uh, whether they they are fit to set a stand trial then you might only have a few hours yeah. to, to do to do an assessment but once they've been incarcerated you've got all of their sentence to then make the evaluations when you come up to parole so it's very difficult for people to pretend for, yeah. for that amount of time you know mm. the facade will always drop somewhere along the line yeah so. um and then i wanted to ask so you've worked with sex offenders, you worked at murderers, you worked at quite a number of criminals. What is the most, I would say, horrific or I would say the worst case you've worked on? I always say it's the one I'm working on at the time because oh. every crime has its victim, has its fallouts. Obviously, there's some really notorious names um, that you work with, uh, and at my, like we've just had two weeks of Myra Hinley and Ian Brady being back in the news because yeah. they were looking for the, the 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 last child's body on the moors and things like this. Um, so the effect of their devastation can go on decades, mm. but every single violent crime has a huge knock-on effect. So. Yeah. You, it, it, to me, it's sort of wrong saying that one is worse than another because for each person, that is a, a, a real landmark in their life, and and yeah. for the family and for the friends around them, you know, it affects all their lives for a long time afterwards. Mm. And then, how would you say you step away from? Um, being a criminal psychologist, as in to go back into your normal life, if you if you can, I don't know if you understand what I'm asking. You you, you learn to uh, compartmentalize, mm. and my my breakout was always broadcasting. I got involved with um, university radio, hospital radio, from a very early age, and that to me was always my outlet so it was something completely different you can't think about anything else then and I'm talking then we used to go around and get requests in the hospitals and then we used to go down and get the records out oh, wow. and line the records up yeah so you know we're doing, so over the years obviously it's uh, developed but broadcasting basically was my my fallout and music it's all, always been music yeah and then I find myself sometimes, because I do the crime show, sitting in a place and I go, hmm, that person looks like they could be a serial killer. Or that is very weird tendencies. Do you find yourself doing that? And then where do you draw the line and go, okay, you need to stop and just be, like, relax? Uh, I think that comes with age and experience. When mm -hmm. 
when you're starting out obviously you're you're, you're keen and mm. you're you're looking you're looking for things but the thing is then when you're looking for things very often you see them out of concept or you mm. out of context yeah um, learning to relax with that mm. you tend to be able to to manage it a lot better i mean there are things i do i always count the amount of people or in a room uh, oh. because obviously how many people if in, in a prison, if you've lost somebody, you've got a major problem. You've got to yeah. shut the whole prison down to find that one person. Uh, yeah. so I still have a tendency. I always count the number of people in the room. I always sit with my back to a wall. I never have people sitting behind me. Mm. Because, yeah, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a security thing because if somebody's behind you, you don't know what they're doing. Mm. That is true. So, they're, they're, they're sort of things, and I always know where the exits are. <laughs> <laughs> I always check where the exits. <laughs> Even if I go in somewhere new, I will go and find where the exits are. And it's it seems bizarre, but you know, when you're working with violent people and mm. people, you know, and uh, it's a very unusual atmosphere within the prison because it's if you've never been in one, you don't know what it's like. Mm. Uh, it's not like, you know, we, they are not in our world. We're going into their world. They know far more about what's going on in that prison than we do. Yeah. Yeah, they have their own systems. They have their home, own hierarchy of prisoners and things like this. And they know what is going on in there far quicker than we do. And they were always clubbed together mm. against an outsider. Yeah, you know, no matter how well you get on with them, if it's a choice between backing you and backing them, they will always go for them. Yeah, yeah because they they've got to live with them. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's I've, it's tendencies. You always got to watch what's going on around you. You, you can't have vision just here because yeah. somebody over here will do something to take your attention while something else goes on on the yeah. other side. Keeping this vision, I think, as well, is is part of it. This one, my 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 daughter and my grandson hate it because <laughs> I, they say I can see through walls. <laughs> so we used to making sure you know what's going on around you. And then I I wanted to ask this because um, I've often read that you can tell from when a child is very small. Like, for example, if they like killing animals or dead things, that they will be a murderer or a psychopath or sorts. I wanted to know from you, is this true? And um, if it is true, then how would you stop the child from doing that? Oh, my gosh, wouldn't it be that easy? You <laughs> identify that and walk around, you know, bad people walk around with horns and a tail. And the other one I really like is, you know, that every every um, crime could be solved in 60 minutes or 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so wonderful. You know, there, there are red flags, mm. all right? But it's like so many other things that I said about before, about taking things in context, mm. you know, you know, is it alert behavior? Have they seen that from older siblings? You know, is it an environment? You know, do they live on a farm and it's used, you know, they're used to seeing life and death within mm. animals? You know? So, again, it's okay saying something, yeah. but then whitewashing it right across the board doesn't really work. Mm. Yeah. So, again, this is one of the things. I mean, psychology is, is still, it is a science, but it's also an art because. Yeah. 
you know, it's not like, well, you've broken a bone, so you so your arm's broken mm. in the story. You set it, put it together. When we're talking about people's minds and behaviours, you know, yes, behaviour is learnt. Because mm. when you think about it, a baby comes in this world and basically they are not pre-programmed. Mm. Okay, we can go down the issue that things through the pregnancy and things like this, but in, in general speaking, it's like buying a brand new computer where there is no data on it. There's only a few base programs. Yeah. That when you build it up, this is what it's learning. So if yeah. a child is learning this, you know, going back in the environment, I mean, there are things like uh, if they've had head traumas or if they've had been involved in accidents or, or things like this that obviously can affect meningitis, you know, because if the brain sw been, uh, has swollen, uh, there could be a brain injury. Mm. You know, think there's lots of things to look at. It's not that easy and just saying, well, you know, if, if a child hurts an animal or kills an animal on purpose, something is wrong yeah. because kids don't do that but where have they seen it where have they learned it what's the context of it mm. yeah so again i think you know there are you know they say the bed wet in the fire setting and the animals well you know a lot of kids wet the beds later on in life yeah i think most kids experiment at some point with fire yeah yeah Again, it's putting these together, um, family ties, family environment, um, abuse within families and things mm. like this. Yeah. Uh, but again, you know, you can't say because every single person that's been abused doesn't go on to be an abuser. Yeah. They, they make that choice at some point. But then an awful lot of them have the personality tendencies of self-harming or addictive personalities mm. or being in toxic relationships. So there is definitely, I mean, I've been around lots of decades <laughs> and all the time I've been around, you know, there's been research from some really good universities into this and they've still got nothing concrete. You know, mm. if we could say, you know, like a jigsaw, ABC, put together, makes that picture, it's not that simple. Yeah. You know? There, there, say there are red flags, there's markers, but picking them up and unpicking them is, is a lot different to putting it together and making assumptions. Okay, so I want to speak about some crimes um, um, and then going into some conspiracies because I love some conspiracies. Um, <laughs> but, um, recently, Netflix uh, released a documentary with Jeffrey Dahmer. Now... Yeah. I was unable to finish the documentary. Like it just, it's so heavy and it's eerie and it's weird. Um, I just wanted to find out from you what your thoughts are on Jeffrey Dahmer. He is currently being labeled the most evil man who has ever lived. Um, and just on his crimes and the nature of his crimes. And I know they show his dad teaching him how to dissect animals and stuff like that. But how would, from your perspective, how would you have seen maybe a translation in how he grew up and who he became? It, it's, it's funny, actually, because uh, actually tomorrow I'm doing a, um, a guest lecture for a university. Oh, wow. and I, don't, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Dennis Nielsen. 
but he's oh. our equivalent, equivalent of your Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, I'm wow. actually doing um, the, like six uh, concepts that are, are between the two, and they're very, very alike. Mm. You know, there's things that are very, very similar. You know, they were very isolated as children. They mm-hmm. were you know, quite sort of the ones that the outcasts from, from other children. Uh, both, uh, you know, the parents have very, you know, bad relationships, basically, toxic relationships. Yeah. Although his his father had, you know, but tried to engage him with something because they found that, you know, he wasn't that interested in various things, but he was mm. very, he was science and things like this. Mm. So although perhaps it's not the first thing that most parents think about developing in their child, he he was a scientist as well. I think, you know, he, yeah. he was involved in it. And Dennis Nielsen, his first encounter at six years old was his grandfather had died and his mother took him in to see his grandfather without telling him that he had died. So he walked in the room and saw him in the coffin. So his uh, relationship was very strong with his grandfather. So Mm -hmm. for him, the love and the death went together. And Dharma, in some respects, uh, had a similar thing that he, he found it very difficult to build relationships especially with his teens and things like this. Mm. And he also knew that, you know, being gay uh, was also another being different. Mm. But you know, the, for the two of them, the isolation was their key. They, mm. they wanted, you know, they kept the bodies with them because they wanted to keep them close for a longer period of time. Yeah. In in different ways, obviously. But, um, I mean... Dharma, there's there's no, you know, I know that his father, I mean, his father supported him right the way through. Mm. Even when, when, he, when he was killed in prison, you know, his, his father was still there. And no matter what he did, he supported him. He tried to help him through it. Mm. So although he pulled away as a child, you know, and his mother had um, difficulties, mental health difficulties anyway. I mean, she went yeah. through severe depression and things when he was younger. Mm. So, you know, again, these are things that link up together, but he made made choices along mm. the way, you know, and I think that that's the key because serial killers are less than 1% of, murder, of, of all the murderers, mm. but so much press yeah you know they will kill usually they will kill um within their own race dalma and nilson were both different in that respect Mm. because uh they they cross race which is which is unusual but they went for people that they found attractive Mm. you know both of them went into the military um, again, looking for perhaps the the, the tightness, the regime, the friends together, and things like this within that companionship. Mm. And coming out, Dalma didn't do very well. Though I think he did about two two years, and that was it. But mm. he he came out, and then he went on steadily from sort of different jobs and things like this. But and very pain relationships you know he found it very difficult to maintain any type of relationship Mm. so the isolation is is definitely a key you Mm. know 
and that was one of his most motivating things that he wanted to keep people with him. And I think I mean I haven't seen the Netflix, so I don't actually have a TV. But um, <laughs> but one of the things I think probably should have come out in that was the biggest thing was that his his isolation, his loneliness. Mm. Yeah. I did see a scene in the Netflix documentary where he calls his father and he says to him, I'm lonely. There's no one here. Can I come home? So I do see how the loneliness could have been a part of it. I also do want to ask, um, most of the criminals that we see have somehow had experienced in the military or they've gone off to war or something like that does that sort of desensitize the soldiers because i do know they come home with ptsd but to what extent does that maybe um add to uh their criminology uh i don't think we could do such a sweeping statement um again a lot quite a lot of them have been in the police force as well because Nielsen actually went on from the army to go into the police force and Mm -hmm. i know some of the serial killers in the in the states have been uh police officers or previously and things like this again i think it's looking for the companionship you know the, the, the the being part of something um definitely you know, vets come back there is there is no way that anybody in a civilian environment can understand or comprehend what they go through in a war scenario mm-hmm. uh, does it turn them into killers well again you know we have between our our two countries we mm-hmm. have hundreds of thousands of people that have passed through the military how many of them have, have become serial killers yeah minute mm. amount mm. yeah yes it, obviously it does affect them but i also think working in that you know if you speak to police officers if you work uh, talk to nurses and doctors um ambulance uh, paramedics and things like this we all desensitize yeah you know for, for for me as well because in in a way you have to because when you are usually dealing with somebody when it is the worst time of their life yeah and so you have to be in a command you have to be centralized because if you're not everything else falls apart Mm. you know and 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 most people go through perhaps an accident or a major trauma once mm. if you are working in that service industry you know, then you are likely to go through that three, four times a day. Yeah. So they all add up. And then on to my conspiracies. Haha. <laughs> because you are from England, I do want to ask this because it's a conspiracy that has been debated for many years now. Um, and I want to hear your take on it. So Princess Diana, right, <laughs> was said to have been killed either by the MI6 or by the royal family. And the people who say it was the royal family say it's either he's now king, King Philip was involved or the queen um, was involved or it was the MI6. What What is your take on that? I, I honestly can't see this. I think, you know, unfortunately, uh, the royal family 
um, separated Camilla and Charles. They were together when they were at university and wanted to be married. Yeah. And the family were against it. They sent him away and the Queen mother, so uh, King Charles's grandfather, uh, grandmother, mm. and M Montgomery actually made her marry Parker Bowles because they did not think she was suitable for him. Mm. So they had intervened at a very early age. And basically, they're, they're, this is a very romantic story when you yeah. take all the horrific other part away from it. Yeah. But Princess Diana, she was very far removed from mm. Charles. You know, mm. He was not brought up um, to be at ease with commoners. He wasn't brought up to, to show his affection oh. and... You know, things like this because that's what not what the royals did. Mm. You know? So I think he got a lot of bad press yeah. in the way that he didn't show emotion how everybody else thought. But then if you saw the king or the queen, you know, in flood to tears, would it be the right aspect either? So I think they yeah. were a little bit doomed whether they could, they did or they didn't. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't think that. I think there is more to the story. Yeah. Will we, will we ever know? Yeah, I do think they were wrong in blaming the the driver because mm. obviously it came out that he's, he's alcohol. He, he wasn't drunk, so I think for his family that oh, must wow. have been. A really bad ordeal to, mm. to have to live through. Um, mm. But so much goes on that we don't know the background of. Uh, mm. I don't think the royal family are assassins, basically. I don't think, you know, they've got <laughs> killing people. Um, what, had she made some wise choices? Maybe not. But then we all, you know, we all make mistakes. So, yeah. you know. I, I think there is definitely more to the story, but mm. whether we'll ever find out, who knows. But so I, I don't think the, the the royal family were involved in an assassination in that respect. Yeah. No. And and then I wanted to ask you, so you work in jails and with uh, criminals all the time, and mm -hmm. there's corporate punishment um, where they they do put some people to death um, I don't know if I'm mistaken. I think it's still happening in America to some extent. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to know your take on corporate punishment. Um, obviously here, well, in Britain, we don't have the death penalty anymore. Mm -hmm. That went out in, um, 65. And there's been a lot of people saying that it should be brought back, mm -hmm. um, we had hanging. We didn't have the the electric chair or the, uh, the injection like they do in the states. And it's not in all of all of the the states of in some. So you know, do I think that it should be there? I think there's you know it's supposed to be there as a deterrent. Mm. I don't like the fact that in America they can be on death row for 20, 30 years. You know, oh, to yes. me, what is, what is the point of that? Mm. You know, if they have got a death sentence, then it should be quite quick. There mm. shouldn't be the, the, the to and fro in fraud for years or decades. Mm. Um, but, yes, I think I think 
there there is a situation for it mm. but now we have a lot better forensics you know mm. dna um because people always throw up oh people have died that you know were innocent yeah, yeah but there's also people that have been innocent that have got off with things as well. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah is it is it a deterrent well, you know, in, in the states where they still have the death penalty, they still have murderers. They yeah. still have people doing things that warrant the death penalty. Yeah. So it's not always a, a deterrent. But I, I do think that, you know, there are some things that um, it, it could be in situ for. Mm. Yeah. And then I want to ask, is there anything interesting you're working on or anything interesting in the world of crime that maybe not a lot of people are putting focus or attention on right now um well i've got uh, we'll have a new book coming out so uh talking to killers that's uh, that's underway at the moment it's actually with the editor so that takes longer than writing actually <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so that would be coming out soon and i'm doing quite a few talks on different things about uh, serial killers and psychopaths and mm-hmm. the next one that I'll be, I'm, I'm working on is profiling so okay. I'm going to do uh, a session on on profiling and the misuse of profiling as well, because I mean there are people that have been you know put into the mold because it fits the profile rather than following the evidence. So mm. uh, it does work both ways. But I think you know people now, the media particularly hype up um, bad personality traits. Mm. Yeah. And a lot of women, particularly, because these traits are still more masculine than feminine. Um, and a lot of women think that they have, oh, I, I can change them. They're, they're misunderstood people. Yeah. Well, if they've got that narcissistic personality trait, then you are not going to change them. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they don't want to change. So mm. until somebody wants to change, no matter what you do. Yeah. So, you know, if if a relationship doesn't value you, then it's not worth being in. Mm. Very, very lovely advice. I think uh, we all need to keep that in mind. Um, and I'll definitely be looking out for your book. Everybody, please look out for that book. We always want to get into the minds of killers and you are doing that in a book. So we definitely are going to be looking out for the book and for your talks as well um, so that we can just hear more from you. But thank you so much for taking out the time to speak to us. It really has been lovely speaking to you and just hearing your wisdom and knowledge. And there's a a lot of things that I'm thinking differently about now as well from what you've said. So thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us. My my pleasure. I really enjoy being with you and thank you for the invitation. All right. But from now until next time, this is Nalzi Lee and we are signing out. Peace. Share your thoughts with us. Send in your questions or simply tell us what you love most about Active FM on the WhatsApp line 084-628-6060. Radio has never been better. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and YouTube.